Section 12 of Violet Osborne. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by D. Rando. Violet Osborne by Lady Emily Ponsonby. Volume 1, Chapter 12. The Wise and Active conquer difficulties by daring to attempt them row lester went about his business during these days of uncertainty and trial and listened to his sister's wants and wishes as usual but there was a devouring fire within him the pangs of wounded love tortured him violet had become all to him and he was nothing to her nor was this all the future was in every way a place of uncertainty and dread. He had taken on himself new relations in the confidence that they in no way opposed his duty to his sisters, and now opposition had arisen. Love, if it was to be successful, warred with duty. In vain he walked alone and meditated. In vain he sat alone and meditated. In his uncertainty regarding Violet's feelings for him, he could come to no conclusion. In vain his sister's eyes, some compassionately, some curiously, some anxiously, rested upon him. He could not speak, for he had nothing to tell. He was Violet's betrothed husband, but he was shut out like a stranger. It was a want of spirit, some may say, to be thus shut out. A lover of spirit would have forced his way in, in spite of displeasure. But to force his way was not in Lester's nature. He had his pride. It was wounded pride that was torturing him now. But he was too humble, too distrustful of his claims to press a claim that was not acknowledged. On the fourth evening, after the change of circumstances, having dined with his sisters, he left them early, unable to endure the turmoil of his thoughts in their society. I am not very good company just now, he said, smiling kindly. But you will be good-natured enough to excuse me. He nodded a good night and closed the door quickly to shut out any reply. This is a very disagreeable state of things, Jesse remarked with fretfulness. If we knew what it was all about, I should not mind. But it is a dreadful nuisance to have a person looking as John does and not to know what it means. I am sure I was unhappy enough when I thought John was going to be married, Margaret said, leaning her head on her hands, and now I would give the world to have that day back again. How one's feelings do change in this world. It is enough to teach one never to fret about things. I feel like you, Margaret, said Henrietta. I lay awake, then thinking how dull we should be, and now I should be quite glad to have the dullness. However, a marriage is to be managed now, I can't conceive. People cannot live on air, however much in love they may be. It must require very great management, certainly, said Marion, and I should not fancy that Miss Osborne was fit for that. I hate the Osbornes, Margaret said suddenly with flashing eyes. They do not treat John as he ought to be treated. That is, Miss Osborne does not. When a woman has gone and gained a man's whole heart, she ought to feel it a great responsibility and not treat it like a light thing. I know John has not been considered, for I am sure he would tell us if he knew anything, and I know he has not seen her, because I asked him today. 
He tried to answer, not yet, as if it was natural, but I saw his poor face, how it looked. But, my dear Margaret, Rachel said gently, you should consider Miss Osborne, too. It would be a dreadful thing if we were ruined. I dare say we hardly know what we should do. But to Miss Osborne, who has been more like a princess than anything else, it must be far worse. No doubt she is too bewildered to know how she acts. If I was ruined a thousand times over, Margaret replied undauntedly, I should feel for the man who cared for me, and so should I, said Jessie. I should remember that I had got love left to comfort me, and then I should not so much care about money. Margaret looked very fierce at this vague repetition of her sentiment, but being really unhappy about Lester, allowed it to pass without a strife. That night, when all her sisters were gone to their rooms, Rachel softly opened her door and watched for Lester. Henrietta and Jessie had a room on the drawing-room floor, preferring to be together. Rachel, Marion, and Margaret had rooms on the second floor, and Lester had a large room on the floor that was not an attic above. When he came home and went up with heavy strides to his room, she crept after him. But it was so unusual a thing to do that she paused breathlessly outside his closed door and was still breathless when she timidly and almost noiselessly knocked and entered. He was standing by the fire, leaning his arms on the low chimney-piece, already in an attitude of thought. But he turned quickly round and said, Is that you, Rachel? Do you want anything? Yes, she replied, still breathless with the effort of putting herself forward. I am come because I want to speak to you. Then speak, he said kindly. There. And he put her into a chair near the fire. Will that do? What is it, dear Rachel? Do you want my advice or help or what? No, she said, shaking her head and recovering herself at the tone of the kind, friendly voice. I do not want advice. I want to give it. The kind, friendly look vanished, and a grave shadow came in its place. Is it me you wish to advise? he asked. I do not want advice. I do not need it. I am not sure, she replied again, breathless. I think you do. In what way? Speak out, dear Rachel. I am very willing to hear. I do not think you consider us and our wishes enough, she said hurriedly. You like to give up all to us, and you do not consider that we may wish to give up to you. You have lived for us all your life long, and you do not remember that now we should be and are willing to live for you. You do not mean it, dear John, but it is unjust and unkind. My dear Rachel, he said, turning gravely towards her from the fireplace and fixing his eyes on her excited face. What would you have me do? Mary, she exclaimed, the word escaping with strange force from her lips. I think I see what thoughts are troubling you. I know that worldly cares are pressing on you. But let me speak for once. Do not let thoughts for us disturb you. Make a home for her, for them all, if you will. It may not be a rich one, but it will be a home. And if that home must make us poor, do not grudge to us for once and for a time. Do what you have been doing all your life. We may have something to give up, but trust us, me and all, that it will be the happiest day of our lives to do it. He stooped and silently kissed her without a word of thanks. You may be right, dear Rachel, was all his reply. And if it should be right, though it might break my heart, I will not forget what you have said. She thanked him and then, wishing him good night, stole from the room and softly crept downstairs. 
but softly as her visit had been effected it had not escaped the ears of her sisters and before she reached her own door every door was thrown open and jessie in a white dressing-gown was half upstairs to see what the matter was what has happened rachel asked marian has john anything to communicate oh do tell us do tell us cried jessie flying up higher followed by henrietta in the distance is miss osborne coming to live with us or has she had a legacy or is it all come straight or has it all gone wrong and don't john mean to marry or there is nothing rachel said hurriedly i know nothing then what were you doing at this time of night asked marian there is a mystery i know there's a mystery cried jessie we heard you go up to his room didn't we henrietta and we know you have been talking together and we must know what he says we have a right to know what he says we are all his sisters quite as much as you now jessie have done said margaret stepping forward perhaps in the hope of something being betrayed she had hitherto stood silent i will not have rachel pestered you have no business to interfere has she marion jessie said yes i have it is my business to see justice done in this house is it not a shame to think that one sister cannot speak to her brother without being set upon in this way we had all much better go to bed but i know you were watching till rachel came down margaret because i heard your door open very soon after she went up after saying this henrietta retired to her room margaret colored and said quickly it is a good thing that i do keep watch or i believe rachel would have been eaten up and now good night she stood with a look of defiance at her door till every sister slowly glided away and disappeared end of volume one chapter twelve